The following sermon is from the United Church of Tishomingo. If you want to turn, that's funny. This Sunday I only have one. <laughs> it works like that. But we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. And um, because we're a whole lot online now and a lot of people, um, I'm not always as free to say uh, everything that I used to say when I was just speaking to my little church family, but I will just ask you guys to remember us in prayer as I speak with a heavy heart this morning. Uh, we're pretty much back in the same situation that we were a couple weeks ago, and those of you that are a family know what all is going on, so I would appreciate your prayers in that. And um, But God has just um, compelled my spirit uh, that something that I have to speak today um, and so I will tell you right now, um, I'm trying to do this, I will do this as uh, this, this entire sermon. In the world that we live in, love and hate has been completely abused. Nobody knows what real love is, and nobody knows what real hate is. And so a lot of people will accuse me of some of the things I say today of, of being hateful. They will. And I'll probably lose viewers, <laughs> uh, you know, that do that. But I want you to know that the greatest love you could imagine has been spurring my soul to speak this message this morning. And I speak it out of love, and I speak it out of what I know that I'm talking about. And so, in the past, my tendency has always been, because those of you that know me, I get very passionate about what I speak, but I'm going to, not that I don't have any emotion, I have strong emotion, but I'm going to try not to be too passionate so that it doesn't look like I'm angry. Because I'm not angry, I am, I don't know what the word is, but I'm desperate that this occurs. I'm desperate for my family. I'm desperate for people that I know. And so I hope that you'll listen to the entire sermon, please, before you pass judgment on it. And if you want to ask questions about it afterwards, I will be glad to talk to you. I'm not one of those people that you can't talk to and question about these things. We live in an environment, and by the way, I might go a little over 30 minutes today. I'm not going an hour but I would really appreciate your, because this is critically important, not just because I'm saying it, but God's really convicted me this week. So we live in an environment these days that is increasingly hostile than anything that has to do with God or the Bible. You can't deny that. It's a hostile environment. There are many reasons for that, but today I'm going to focus on just one of those reasons because I believe it's to be one of, if not the main reason, for this shift in the attitude of our culture today. So, um, you, you guys know how bad I hate to fly if you know me. We always laugh about that. You get a good kick out of it. And no matter how much I fly, one of the things that always makes my stomach just jump is when that stupid little seatbelt light comes on because we're fixing to hit turbulence. Well, I didn't have one, but the seatbelt light's going to be on today. We're going to encounter some turbulence in, in the message this morning. But I have, I have to share this. I have to speak this because the Bible says that we're supposed to. So I want to tell you a story, and it's related to everything I'm going to say. So even though it has nothing to do with the Scripture exactly, it's a good illustration of the message I'm going to give. So please watch so that you see how this ties together. Uh, when I traveled and spoke with the State Department uh, for, for that year, uh, I would always tell this story because teachers needed to hear it. Whenever I was young, 
we would start school out each year, and you always have to have those uh, great um, faculty meetings that you have to go through, and you have to listen to all these great new ideas that the administration has for you to do. And they all have these, and they're excited, and they're serious, you know, and they got all this. But as a teacher, you're sitting back there, and you're like, you know that that's not the best thing that you need to be doing. You're not trying to be contrary. You're not, you just know uh, that that, because what, what drives me nuts in education today is who knows better what works in the classroom than the person in the classroom? Who knows better than the teacher that's living in that? There are some ideas that sound great, but then when you try to put them into practice, they don't work. And so as a teacher, you know that's not the best. And what would always happen is a lot of the older, more experienced teachers in the back of the room would mumble and complain, and they, they would say these things, and they were right. But they wouldn't ever say it to the people that mattered. And I'm sitting back there going, why don't you say something? You know, you could help us out a lot because you're older and you're experienced and you know what's going on. They can't get on. I'm a rookie. They, they're not going to accept that from me, but they could accept it from you. And I thought, you know, if I ever... And these ideas also were going to end up hurting us. They were going to end up wasting time. They were going to end up not being what's best for the kids in a lot of ways, even though the motive, you know, wasn't evil. And so... I thought to myself when I was younger, if I ever get to be the old guy, I'm not going to sit here and be quiet. I'm not going to be rude, confrontational. I'm not talking about that stuff. But we're going to have the conversations that are tough conversations if we need to have them. And I, I did that. And, uh, but it wasn't always you know, appreciated. Uh, it wasn't always you know, the best thing that there was. But uh, it was what was best for my students and what was best for our school and what was best for around us. I'll give you a perfect illustration. I have a friend of mine. I talk about him all the time. Everybody knows Gary, <laughs> if he's wild. But uh, my friend is retiring after this year. He's got one year left. This will be his 37th year. And he is, not. I'm not just saying this, the best history teacher in our school. I mean, he has been. For, widely. He's, he's amazing. But he doesn't do it like everybody else. And the tendency in education today, if you're, in, if you're in secondary education, literally, I'm not making this up, is everybody, they want everybody to teach the same thing on the same day, in the same way, on the same page, give the same test at the same time. I mean, everybody just one, two, three, right in order. So the kids don't get any variation. There's no difference. They're all doing exactly the same thing. And there's not any place for anybody to step outside of that. And I was thinking about that. You know where the only two places in real life that exist? McDonald's? and prison. That's the only two places that that type of attitude exists. So Gary's told him that he's going to retire this year. And so they said, look, because he's not anything like that. He said, look, uh, if y'all just leave me alone, I'm leaving. <laughs> and, and I'll just, you know, I'm, uh, and, and so here's the thing. Now watch this. So they said, look, just don't make any waves. Just go in your room and, 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 do, and that'll be okay. Now watch. They gave the best teacher in the department Permission, permission to go ahead and do what he's always done. Think about that for just a minute. Gave him permission to do what has been the most effective. Otherwise, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> You're going to have to do it like this. And it just amazes me. Now watch, here is, the, here is the connection I'm trying to make. I don't care what this world says. Christians who have the Spirit of God living in them know better how to live life than anybody else on the planet. 
Because God equipped you with that wisdom. The Bible says God gives you wisdom, God gives you knowledge, God gives you grace, God gives you guidance, He gives you all those things. And there are a lot of people out there that have a lot of ideas that sound really good if you don't know God. But in the end, the Bible says those things... What's that scripture? There is a way that seems right unto man, but in the end it leads to destruction. And so the reality of life is, in Proverbs it says... God, by His wisdom, founded the earth. By His knowledge, He established the heavens. By God's wisdom and knowledge, this earth runs. And only God's wisdom and knowledge in His children can make this earth run like it's supposed to. That's why you see this earth becoming more and more chaotic. That's the exact reason why you see it becoming chaotic is because there's less and less of God's principles running the earth. So just like teachers know what's best in the classroom, Christians know what's the best way to live life. So... With that being said, we are now living in a world where for the last few decades there have been a lot of really stupid ideas presented, just like in faculty meetings of people who don't know how life works and how, how life doesn't work. And what, what I just said, we, you know, for example, I'll give you some of them. Here's one. <laughs> this is one of the new ones, and I love this. We don't need the police. We just need to, to nurture those babies. And if we just talk to them nicer, and if we just nurture them a little bit better, they'd stop tearing down stores and robbing people and selling drugs and shooting people and all that kind of stuff. If we just get rid of the police and just, just talk to them nicer, they've just been treated mean their whole life, things would be better. That's not how life works, guys. The Scripture is very clear that that's not how life works and that we need discipline and we need that. The government, the Bible says, literally in Romans, the Bible says God established the government for the punishment of those who do evil and for the reward of those who do good. That's what it says in Romans. Here's another one. This has been going on for years and you can see the result and it's true that spanking your children is wrong. Well, there's one I'll catch heck for. I don't really care. There's a comedian. He's really good. He's clean. Y'all need to watch him. His name is Fred Klett, K-L-E-T-T. -T. And he grew up in a children, a home of 15 children. And he said, I'd have given anything when I was growing up for time out. <laughs> he said, he said, you know, he said, I can see my dad walking in the room and going, oh, you robbed your mama's purse and went down and bought all the candy at the store. Time out, young man. He said, oh, you took your brother's head and you mashed it through the wall and there's blood all over the place. He's getting stiff. Time out. You just take your iPad and your computer and your Game Boy and go to your room. <laughs> he said, he said I'd, I'd have given anything for time out. You know, that's, that's the idea that we have, that we, that we don't need that thing. We, here's one that's not funny. It's okay to kill babies. Not only is it okay, it's a right to kill the most innocent children in, in the planet in the mother's womb. And by the way, I'm going to make this comment here because I don't want to seem like all of us have sinned. I know that. All of us have committed things we wish we hadn't have. But that doesn't make it okay. That means we need to repent and we need to realize it's a sin. God can forgive anything and will forgive anything and wants to forgive. But you've got to first of all recognize you've sinned, that you've done something wrong. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So I'm not being rude. I'm not being mean. I'm doing what it takes. But somehow it's okay that it's a right to kill babies. And so we wonder why our society is violent. Because we will exercise violence on the most innocent of our citizens. And then we wonder why we, we kill other people that are big and mean and ugly and all that kind of stuff, you know, so the world's view. 
And so that's another one. Here's another stupid idea. America's evil. Everything we've ever done is evil. And we're bad. And we need to tear everything down, all the history and all the deal. We need to burn the flag. We need to burn the... That's, that's a stupid idea that a lot of people believe. And we, our, our college students in a lot of places have been taught that for so long that they are now just doing what they've been taught for many, many years is tearing down that's what they, that which they have been told is evil and that which they've been told is wrong. Here's one, and I'll lose a lot of people on this one, but I'm sorry. Here's another really stupid idea of our time, that two men ought to be able to marry each other. <gasps> Did he just say that? Did he really just say that on live TV? Sorry, but that's a really stupid idea. Listen to me carefully. You can believe what you want, but you can't say it in public because that's hate speech, especially if it comes from the Bible. Gasp. But the Scripture says that if you practice that type of relationship, that God is going to judge you and condemn you. The Scripture says that if you practice that, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. The Scripture says that if you do that, that God will turn you over to a reprobate mind. And that all other types of sin... Do you all realize, and I know from experience, sin does not travel alone. Sin never travels solo. But that sin always brings other sins in. Whoa, come on in. There's a home for you here. And it always does that. And that sin will always, always, always escalate. And you say, you're being mean. No, watch this. Let me tell you what's mean. Let me tell you what's mean. If I just came from a place where I know the bridge is out ahead, and it's a really long drop into a river, and you're going to die, and I'm walking down the highway, and I see some guy in his new sports car, driving along, you know, and he's going about 80 miles an hour, and, and I go, man, I ought to tell him that bridge is out, but he just looks like he's having fun. He looks like he's really enjoying this. I mean, this is really, I, I don't want to ruin, I don't want to ruin his, I don't want to ruin his day. I don't want to make it where he's unhappy. I guess I just won't say anything. Which is hate. Let him go. Or say, look, if you keep traveling down this road at the speed you're going, you're going to die. That's going to happen. And we don't have the guts anymore to tell people you're going to die if you keep traveling down this road that you're traveling. And it's not my opinion. It's not what I believe. It's not how I grew up. The Scripture is very clear on these things when it says this. And yet, we have stopped speaking these things. You want, to, you want me to show you irony? Here's irony. For years, I, I'm not laughing, but this is irony. And I, I've heard nobody say this. For years, they scourged the Boy Scouts. They scourged them because they wouldn't let gay people in to lead. Now, have you seen the latest commercials? How they're suing the Boy Scouts because of the number of kids that have been abused by their leaders? Have you all seen that? You talk about irony? Don't let them get away with it. You made them do it. You're the one that said you had to let them in. And now they got in and they did what is the natural thing that happens because sin never travels by itself. Sin always escalates. Sin always lets more escalation in. It always does that. And everybody knows it, but nobody's got the guts to say it because, boy, he's full of hate. Boy, he's a bigot. No. I love you enough to tell you that if you don't stop what you're doing, you're going to die. If you don't stop what you're doing, God's going to condemn you. The Scripture says that. I'm not going to condemn you. I will never be your judge. 
I'll not judge anybody in this room or anybody out there. I won't do that. But here's what the Bible says. In Revelation, it says Jesus is going to come back as the judge. And you know what he's going to use as his judging criteria? That word right there. That's what he's going to judge us by. And when it says do this, we're supposed to do it. And when it says don't do this, we're not supposed to do it. That's what the Scripture says, and it's very clear. And this hasn't changed. And it doesn't go away just because it was a while back. And so we live in a place where we have all these ideas. Now watch this. But did you know that things like this were going on even in Jesus' day as well, that this is nothing new? Did you know this exact same stuff was happening back in Jesus' day? All kinds of sin, all kinds of idol worship, all kinds of rebellion against God, all kinds of stuff. But if you read your Bible carefully, you'll see that all throughout history, God's people were commanded to speak out against ungodly ideas. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. I'm getting ready to show you in just a minute. It's a command. Listen to me carefully. There's another really stupid idea. And this has grown out of churches. It's come from churches. And here it is. It's from churches that don't have the courage to obey God even when times are tough. Watch. Here's the idea. Well, we should never tell people about the bad they're doing. We should just talk about God's love and God's mercy and God's forgiveness. You know, we should just, we should just tell them that you're, God wants you to live your best life now and that you're enough and God just loves everybody and, and, and everything's going to be great. And while God loves you and cares about you and wants you in His kingdom, people, listen to me, guys, people will never receive that love until they know they need it. People will never receive God's mercy until they know they need mercy. In 2 Corinthians, Paul tells a story about a man in a church and he's committing incest. And Paul says, you discipline that man right now. You call him before and you discipline him and you kick him out. And they did. Then he writes back later and he says, I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings. I'm sorry that I made you sorry. But I'm not, I'm sorry, I didn't just make you sorry to make you sorry, but I'm glad that I made you sorry because you repented. Because it brought you to repentance. Because if I had to make you sorry, you wouldn't have known you needed to repent. Guys, listen to me. When John the Baptist started his public ministry, heralding the fact that Jesus was coming, you know what the first word out of his mouth was? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. When Jesus was baptized in Matthew 3 and started His public ministry in Matthew 4, look at the first word out of His mouth was repent for the kingdom. That means turn away from your sin. You have to. When you look at Acts 2.38, when the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came and Peter preached and they said, what do we got to do to be saved? He said, repent, turn and follow Christ, be baptized. You got to repent. Now listen to me very carefully because there's a misconception and here's where I'm going to lose a lot of people and make a lot of people mad. But I'm going to speak the truth in love because people aren't saying this. It is true that God offers His love to everybody but not everybody is under God's love. Are you listening to me? Not everybody is going to receive the benefit because what was God's love? What was the purpose? What is the purpose of that? It's to bring you into His kingdom. Is everybody going into His kingdom? No. So not everybody is going to benefit from that love. What happens? Watch this. God stands here all day long and He says, I love you, I love you, I'm offering you my love, but His love is like a tent. 
It's like a shelter from the storm. And he cries out to people every day, please come in, please come in, but he won't make you, he won't force you because that's not true love. True love can only be exercised by the freedom of the will. And even though God is sovereign in His sovereignty, He chose to give us free will. And Joshua says, choose this day whom you'll serve. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God told Adam, you can do anything you want, but if you choose to do that, you sin and you die. Now listen to me very carefully. When I go to Rangers games, one of my favorite things in the world to do, me and a couple buddies always go down and watch the Rangers three or four times a year. For, and, and they want us to come. They like it when we come. It's a good thing when they have a full house. But you know what they do before they let me walk in the gate? They check my stuff. And if there's anything there that I'm not supposed to have, they say, can't bring that in. Can't bring that in. Can't bring that in. You can't have that. You can't do that here. It's not allowed. And so I comply. Listen to me. God sets some rules. Not me, God. And he says, if you're going to come into this tent, if you're going to come into this house, if you're going to dwell here, there's some things that you can't bring with you. They're not allowed. And if man has the right, you, in your own household, set rules. There's things you probably would not allow into your household. That you would tell people, you're not going to come in here if you're going to do that. That's just, that's the rules of our house. I love you. I love you as a friend. I love you as a brother. But, man, I ain't letting you bring that in my house because it might be detrimental to my kids. It might hurt them. Are y'all listening to me? God loves you even when you sin. He offers love, but He loves His children enough to not allow them to be influenced and hurt by your sin, bringing it into a place that it's not supposed to be. And so God says, everybody's welcome, but listen to me very carefully. This is a big distinction. Everyone's welcome, but not everything is welcome. You've got to put some stuff aside. You can't bring that with you. Raise your hand if you haven't had to put something aside in your life to honor God. Whatever it is. Hate, bitterness, unforgiveness, gossip, anger. You know, Jesus said if you, if you hate your brother, you've committed murder. He said that. There was a time in my life I had extreme hatred in my life for some people because of some things. I've told I'm not going to... But, boy, God just... And God used my father, thank the Lord who had the courage to point at me and say, John, you better stop or you're going to destroy everything. It's going to kill you. It's going to kill your family. And I had to, and watch this, I had a right. I had a right. It was not right treatment. I was mistreated. I had a right. But I didn't have a right to do that and call myself a Christian because Jesus said, forgive as you've been forgiven. Father, forgive us our sins and our trespasses. We forgive those who've sinned and trespassed against us. And I had to put it away. And people use this argument, well, don't condemn just because they sin different than you do. I'm not. That's not the condemnation. I just, I've, got, I've had plenty of sin in my life that I've had to repent of. But the thing that brings condemnation is not that we sin differently, but that you refuse to repent when your sin is confronted. When the Word of God says... This is a sin. This is wrong. You have to put this away. And you refuse. There's no forgiveness. Are you listening to me? You can't be forgiven without repentance. Without con what does 1 John 1, 9 say? It says, if we confess our sins, if we admit, 
I was wrong. I sinned. Then He's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to restore us. But we got to confess. We got to admit. And here's the problem. We got a bunch of people running around this world who don't even know because nobody's telling them the truth. Because they're afraid they're going to be called a hater. They're afraid they're going to be called a bigot. They're afraid. You've been, we have been so cowed down as a church to speak the truth in love. And so that's where it leads us to. Watch this very carefully, all right? John the Baptist told the king, you're sinning, you can't have your brother's wife. What did he get for it? Beheaded. Jesus came to this world, he said, I love you, and I'm giving my life for you, but he called out sin. What did he get? Crucified. The Apostle Paul, everywhere he went, you know what he was called? Troublemaker. This man stirs up trouble in every city. Look here. Do you really, I want to ask you, do you think I enjoyed preaching this sermon? Do you think this is what I want to do? Do you think I want to call, and by the way, I'm not asking you to get a sign and go stand out on the corner and go, if you don't repent, you're going to hell. It's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm fixing to show you. I'm not asking you to walk into a city council meeting and say, y'all are a bunch of heathens. That's not what I'm asking you to do. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm going to give you the suggestion in just a minute. But I'm not asking you to be on purposeful a troublemaker. Okay? But Paul, the Apostle Paul, troublemaker. Every disciple except John, you know what happened to him for preaching the gospel and telling the truth? They were killed. Everyone. And John got exiled. We don't want to hear this guy anymore. So we're going to stick him out here on this island. Listen to me carefully. We are supposed to be speaking out against evil. Look at Ephesians 4 and look at verse 14 and 15. Not my words, but the Bible. Paul writes, as a result, and by the way, this is written to the church. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. How many winds of doctrine are out in our world today? And the church just does what? They just flop back and forth, flop back and forth. Uh-uh. Not to do that. Look at this. By the trickery of men, by the craftiness in deceitful scheming. We've been deceived. We've been told to shut up. We've been told you have to be quiet. Or you're mean. You're judgmental. You're a hater. Look, verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ. Watch this. It doesn't say speak. This is critical. It says speaking. That means it's a continual way of your life. It's written in the continual tense. It's an ongoing process. Speaking the truth. And in Scripture, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So what are we supposed to be speaking in love, we're supposed to be speaking what Christ said. And what does it mean to do it in love? Listen, little baby. I don't want to hurt your feelings. Did you know that the real definition of biblical love is being willing to do what is best for someone else, what is charitable and beneficial? Love has nothing to do, biblical love, agape love. This love has nothing to do with sex, with feelings, with emotions, it has to do with, I love you so much that even though I'm going to catch grief for this, I'm going to at least tell you that you're headed down the wrong path. Parents, do you believe that you should just let your kids go and do whatever they want whenever they want? Do you really believe that? Some of you young kids that don't have kids yet, please don't try that. It doesn't work well. 
It doesn't end up well at all. I've seen the results of it. If you love somebody, you discipline them. Did you know Proverbs says, listen, that the father who hates his son does not discipline him. And discipline doesn't always mean beat him over the head with a stick. That's not what I'm saying. Discipline is sometimes spanking, but discipline is also sometimes sitting down and saying, I love you. This is a wrong attitude. It's not going to grow. You're going to stop. And we we are going to increase this as much as we need to to change your behavior. That's good parenting. That's good. Look, teachers in the classroom. You sit in the classroom and you tell your kids what? I love you. I'll play around with you. Well, kid, but if you start doing something that's hurting everybody else, we're going to stop that. We're going to address that. We're going to deal with that attitude that's hurting the other people. Any of you as a teacher ever have a kid that was hurting everybody else's ability to learn because of their attitude? Of course. And I didn't take my ruler and beat him in the face. I said, look, I love you. I don't want to hurt. I'm going to tell you. Then I'm going to do this. And you know, I had it all planned out. This is what we're going to do. But this behavior has to stop because not only is it going to hurt everybody else, but it's going to hurt you. Let me ask you a question. Why should I have to be preaching this? Why is that so hard to understand? That if, appropriate, if behavior is inappropriate, it needs to be changed. It needs to be challenged for the good of the person that's doing it. So look what it says. It says we're supposed to be speaking the truth in love. Let's go on to verse 16. In Christ, from whom the whole body is being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, and that causes the growth of the body, watch this, for the building up of itself in love. As Because part of the body is not where it needs to be, there is no love growing up. We've, we're breaking down. If, if, if America was a body, we're in, we're in the ER. We're in ICU. We're not healthy. We're not. Because we're not, we're not tending to those parts of the body that are sick. How, this should be simple. But, you know, if I have a weird heartbeat, I'm going to go to the doctor because that could kind of mess up the rest of my body. i got to get it checked. And if my doctor says, John, you got to quit doing this, or it's going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what the doc says. Because, well, I love you, and I don't want to hurt your feelings, so... so I, I, I'm just not going to tell you. Doc, <laughs> if this is bad for me, tell me what I need to do. Verse 17. This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as the Gentiles, the unsaved, in the futility of their mind, all these great ideas, being darkened in their understanding. They are excluded from the life of God. Boy, if the pr- did you hear what I'm saying? They're darkened in their understanding. They're excluded from the life of God. That's not the preacher being mean, being a bigot, being judgmental. Nobody's preaching these verses anymore. They're darkened in their mind. They're excluded excluded from the life of God. Watch this. Because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. They don't want to know. They don't want you to tell them. Stay away, you hater. And they have become callous. They've given themselves over to sensuality. They are practicing every kind of impurity and greediness. But you did not learn Christ this way, if indeed you have heard of Him. And if you've been taught in Him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, those things, you have to lay them aside. It's being corrupted in accordance with the lust of of deceit. 
and you have to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Somebody's got to tell you there's another way, and you've got to believe that and receive that. And you've got to put on a new self, which is in the likeness of God, and it's been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth. Church, I don't care what the rest of the world does. I'm going to tell you something. I need you to speak truth. I need somebody to speak truth to my family. I do. I need somebody to speak truth to my son. I just lay it out there. In love. But I need somebody to speak truth. I'm not a name it, claim it guy. Okay? I'm not that guy. If you just speak it, God, give me a four-wheeler. I'm, I'm, that's not me. But it is the Word of God that changes hearts. And if you don't speak it, how's hearts going to be changed? Are y'all listening to me? The greatest hate is that you're holding the beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Sing them over again to me. Wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words. The words of Christ, I'm not a name it, claim it, but God says my word will not come back to me void, empty, but it will accomplish what I've ordained it to accomplish. And you get on your knees and you pray and you speak this. You live it first. If you're not living it, forget it. Just shut up. That's where the hypocrisy part comes in, so don't be the hypocrite. That's not what I'm saying. But you get on your knees, you repent, you live it, and then you speak it. And you, God will use you to bring life to people, guys. I know I've done nothing, but God has used me to speak life into a lot of people's lives in my life. In prison, in jail, in everyday life and all these kind of things, God has used me to speak life because I was never afraid to speak the truth in the classroom, in public, in church, and I'm never going to stop speaking the truth. And anybody out there that's still with me that hadn't turned off, I love you. I'll come right now and visit and share and talk and pray and cry and do whatever you want to do because I love you. I'll take every hour of my day. But we have to have people speaking the truth or all these dumb ideas grow. Listen, all these ideas have been put out there and you know what the only thing our kids are hearing? Is that. That's what they're hearing. So guess what? Because nobody's countered that, that's what they think. Now look, I know I'm dragging it on a little bit. I'm, I am getting close to landing the plane. And we can take the seatbelt sign off. But I'm not going to stop this until I see in your face and those people on that camera. It is critical that you speak the truth in love. Here's how that looks. Don't go looking for trouble. But when somebody asks you a question, have the guts to say the truth. Even if it might hurt their feelings. If you're in a public place and somebody spouts something off, have the guts to speak the truth. And then if it's just going to cause a huge fight or argument, don't, don't have this big... I'm not saying have a knockdown drag out, but speak the truth. Here's what Jesus would do. He would go into a hostile place. He'd speak the truth. If they didn't accept it, what did He tell His disciples to do? Shake the dust off and go somewhere else. Don't stay and have a fight. It's not what I'm saying. But at least put the words of life out there. Y'all hear me? I'm begging you. I'm begging you for the sake of my family, for the sake of other families, for the sake of kids that I taught all these years. At least say it. And then if it starts this big, because you know what? God's Word argues better than you. 
And if you'll just say it, and, then, and if they don't just walk away, that word might actually land later on. Did you all hear me? It might land. But if you start, it's, it, then you, know what you've said, you know what you're doing when you start a huge fight? Is you're thinking God's word ain't enough, so I've got to punch it down your throat. So, but that doesn't mean be quiet. It means do it in love and in faith and in trust that God can do what He said He was going to do. Does that make sense? Okay, so we've got to be speaking. We've got to stop being afraid. Stop being afraid you're going to hurt people's feelings. Stop being afraid you're going to lose friends. You're going to lose friends because they're going to go to a dark place. I'd rather lose a friend for a while in this life than lose a friend forever because I wouldn't tell him the truth because he needed to hear me speak the truth in love. Guys, listen to me carefully. We've got to start speaking the truth. Unless you speak truth, evil rules. And unless you speak truth, listen, we've got to stop praying for a great, great awakening. Are you listening to me? The awakening is never going to happen if people don't know they need awakened. You know what the awakening is? The church needs to awake. The church needs to awake and start speaking the truth in love and stop being cowed down. If you grew up like me way back a long time ago, you know what's a really shame? Is grown, wise, strong, confident men are afraid to say anything anymore because of how that's going to be taken. Man, what I wouldn't give for some people. They just had the courage to stand up and say, no, that's not right. This is the truth. I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to argue, but, but this is the truth. That's not right. And here's what God's Word said about it, and that's how I, how I believe. We need to stop looking for more Bible studies. You know enough already. We need to start speaking what we already know. I just see programs and studies and this and that and the other, and nobody's good, great. What are you doing with it? What are we doing to change our world? You know? We've got to speak truth in love. We've got to speak it in Christ. There's so many people that need it, and many of you do too. And you're going to find trouble when you oppose evil. But if you don't, the evil's going to grow. I'm going to close with this. I think you all get the point. Because I'm not just getting on to you. I'm really not. If it came across as I close, I'm not getting on to you. I'm actually asking you. I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you that this is what we need as brothers and sisters in Christ. And by the way, I've learned too, if you're going to ask me, if, if I ever say or do something, you're welcome to correct me and I will receive it in love. I'm not going to get mad at you or get on to you. I'm not better than anybody. I'm, I'm who God has called to pastor, but I'm not better than anybody. I just have a different gift. That's the only difference in me. But I'm not above being corrected if I need to be corrected, and I will receive it as such. Ultimately, watch this, guys. Here's where we are falling short. Evil is not going to win. We know that. We know that. But what we are ignoring right now is the fact that evil is winning a lot of people right now before the final battle. Are you all listening to me? I hate it when people, I know, I know they mean good. I don't like it though when people say, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I read the end of the book, we win. I know, I know. But right now, a lot of people aren't winning. Satan's winning a lot of people. And I, I, want you to walk, I want you to walk out here feeling bad today. I want you to have a broken heart. What is that Mercy Me song? God, break our heart for what breaks yours. My heart breaks for lost, hurt, sinful people who think they're finding love 
and they're not. They're finding destruction, and nobody loves them enough to really say, I love you, let me show you a better way. I love you, God's got a better way. I love you, you need to turn away from that or it's going to lead to your destruction. Yes, we win in the end, but what about till then? How many casualties are acceptable to you? How many casualties are acceptable to you till we get there? And just because we know ultimately God will win, does that excuse us from the responsibility of the command to speak up? So that until God does win, we don't lose anymore? Church, church, speaking the truth in love. We need to be growing up into Christ Jesus. I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you, I love you, I'll do anything I can to help you. But it's time, church, that we spoke the truth in love, even if it causes us some conflict. Because the scripture says, make no mistake about it, all those who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You will have trouble. I'm not looking forward to that. I don't enjoy it. I'd rather be sitting on a lake in my boat, fishing. Thank you, God, for all this stuff. I don't want to fight that battle. I really don't. But if I don't, some people are going to die because I didn't speak up and say what God said. And real love sometimes says no and tells people that's wrong, and it takes a little bit of courage to do that. And that's our responsibility. Let's bow and close in prayer. Father, thank you that the Bible says that the, whom you love, who are your children, it says that you, it says you discipline them. It says you scourge us. It says you reprove us. It says that you correct us. It says all these things. And we hear all the nice and the beautiful things of God in heaven. Thank you for those things. But Father God, this world has lost the understanding that sometimes discipline is nice too. And being corrected is nice. And being turned around from a wrong way is good and it's nice. And it brings life and it brings joy and it brings restoration. And Father God, forgive us, your church, that we've lost the courage to do what you've told us to do. And I just pray, Father, that for each one of us in our own little area where we live our lives, that we would, first of all, live out your word, not be hypocrites, not be all this stuff, but we would live it. But then, when you give us opportunity, Father, in the love of Christ, for the love of Christ, help us speak your truth to a hurting world that desperately needs to know it. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.